Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello, welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the whole Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I am joined by Brandon Deutsch. Brandon, it's only appropriate that uh, we are here because we are the only two that really believe that the Lakers could get to the Western Conference Finals. And uh, listen, d- despite the fact that they dropped game one, Brandon, and I felt this on social media, I kind of felt this myself. You feel the same way. Generally speaking, when you lose a playoff game, certainly when you lose game one, you're not feeling that great. That's not the case today, though. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that felt like a win. If there is anything like it, a moral victory. Uh, The Lakers had every chance to win. I know people are going to talk about the LeBron shot, which I hate, by the way. I hate, I don't care if he makes that shot. It's a bad shot. He's a 20% three-point shooter right now. He can't, I mean, and he can't be stopped getting to the rim, right? Him or Davis that game. Um, So unless Reeves takes that shot, which he did the next possession and missed, I don't mind that shot because he was hot and he got him back in the game. But all I can say is Denver better make some adjustments because they'll lose the series in five or six if they don't make adjustments. That it looked like, I mean, Mike Malone and Jokic and all of those guys cannot be happy about that, almost blowing a 30-point lead at home. Um, in fact, they pro- probably should have been, uh, you know, blown that lead. But Rui on Jokic, the Lakers found something allowing AD to roam. Um, you know, I was I, I sent in the chat that I did not like Ham starting Schroeder, and that was yeah. exploited right away. They have to start Rui on Jokic. They just do right now. The three-guard lineup is not going to work with this team. We saw that in 2020. Anytime you had less, I mean, the Lakers are going to beat them with size. Davis is going to score 35 to 40 points every game. Should be the plan, right? He should get the ball 20, 20, 30 times a game. Dish it out to Reeves. Dish it out to LeBron. Let LeBron get to the rim and get Murray in foul trouble. If they're going to have Murray and LeBron, get him in foul trouble, get Jokic in foul trouble. I really expect the Lakers not just to win, but I think they'll win convincingly in game two unless Mike Malone makes some adjustments. So what was the, again, when Schroeder starts uh, game six against the Warriors, it was very clear what they were trying to do. They were trying to go small. What do you think, and again, we've had our problems with Ham. Uh, Darvin Ham has really kind of, I really think, proven himself uh, during the last quarter of the season and during this postseason as a good coach. However, I knew or I, 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 I followed his thought process with starting Schroeder in game six. I didn't quite see why he did that in game one. Clearly, I don't think he'll do that in game two. What do you think he was thinking, and why did it take so long for him to change? Yeah, um, I think, look, I, I think his thinking was Schroeder worked against the Warriors. He provided on-ball defense. Um, 
I think the issue was D'Angelo Russell. He expected a big game from him. He had to bench D'Angelo Russell. And I don't expect D'Angelo Russell to be playing a huge factor on the road. He's had excellent home games. He struggled immensely on the road. Um, the Lakers fans love him. He gets up for, uh, you know, crypto.com arena. Um, and I think that's the, the recipe for success moving forward. I think the Lakers need to come out and cut him in, you know, cut him in the throat right away. Get up to a 15, 20 point lead to start the game. And from there, they'll be fine. Because what Denver does is they're going to shoot erratically. They're going to push the pace. The Lakers were awful in transition. They're going to try to exploit that, but they're not going to continue to make 54 you know, percent of their threes and sixty yeah. percent uh, of their shots. That was Denver's best game, and they barely won by six at home. Right now, you could make the argument the Lakers had their best offensive second yeah. half. Yeah, but but I have a sneaky suspicion you're going to see that type of offense from the Lakers the rest of the series. They found something, and I think we're going to see this offensive juggernaut be unleashed if they continue to dominate in the post. You know, so to your point, the uh, Denver Nuggets. Uh, really did dominate in the first half, dominated in the first quarter, Brandon. I mean, what Nikola Jokic put up in the first quarter, some people would be happy to have as a final game total. Again, 12 boards in the first few minutes of the first quarter. Denver goes up 21 points in the second half of that game. Again, really through three quarters, through three quarters, the Lakers were absolutely dominated. That being said... They were kind of within striking reach. And, and again, despite the fact that they were dominated through three, uh, the Denver Nuggets have a 21-point lead in the second half. You're watching that game in the fourth quarter. The next thing you know, they're down by eight. They're down by six. Whoa, shoot, they're down by three. That's where I take the confidence from. Because, again, we, we can look at the totality of the statistics from the t- total game. I don't think, again, the Lakers stole game one in Memphis. They stole game one in Golden State. That clearly, at the very least, it wasn't going to happen. But there was this turning point in the game where you could see a shift in the way that the coaches were carrying themselves, the players were. Because here's the thing. If they lose that game by 21 points, I mean, there's not a whole heck of a lot of confidence. Again, by the way, they've been blown out during the course of the distance. Postseason, right? They lost by 20 to Golden State. They lost by either 16 to 20 or around that to the Grizzlies. So, I mean, they've been in this spot before. But there was that moment, and you touched on it, when Rui Hachimura shifted and began to guard Jokic and allowed D'Anthony Davis to freelance and roam and be the player that he's been this postseason. That was the shift. Can that continue? Again, for all the adjustments the Lakers will make. Mike Malone will do the same thing with the Denver. So with that being said, Brandon, I mean, both teams have room for improvement. Why are you confident that what the Lakers found in the fourth quarter can continue? Yeah, uh, I think that I don't see much of an answer, right? Because they were doubling Jokic early on. They realized that wasn't going to work. The shooters aren't going to shoot like that every game. We know KCP and Brown are good. Um, but I mean, they're not going to look like that every game. So there's not much Mike Malone can do about that, right? What can he implement? Yeah. Okay. Rui on Jokic. Okay. What's he going to do? Uh, and allowing AD to roam. Uh, what do you bench Gordon? You can't do that. He plays defense, right? Because Gordon's not a threat to shoot the ball really. Um, uh, you know, there's not a lot he can do And Jeff Green's in the game. You really can't play Jeff Green as much anymore, right? Because he's not... Uh, a shooter, even though he hit a shot anymore, you know, like he used to be. 
he's kind of old, even though he's still good. So from Mike Malone's standpoint, you can try to make defensive adjustments, but then what's going to happen is D'Angelo Russell's, if when he plays, is going to start having wide open threes. Uh, Reeves is going to have wide open threes. And we saw that when they tried to pack the box and Reeves or double LeBron, you know, and then, you know, try and hedge Davis. And then Reeves was wide open for three threes that got him back in the game. So yeah. there's really from a, from a defensive standpoint, there's not much the Nuggets can do, which is why I think for Lakers fans, they should be very confident um, that they still win in six games, maybe perhaps even five, perhaps a four game winning streak. Now I'm never going to say that right now because yeah. Denver is good. They won 55 games. I'm going to stand by my prediction, say Lakers in six, you're going to win game two convincingly game three and game four at home, lose game five in Denver by 25. And then <laughs> the media will be like, Denver is going to come back from a three, one lead. Like they did about, uh, you know, Golden State. And by the media, I mean, other media members, not sure. us, obviously. Yeah, right. Um, and then they'll win game six convincingly and go to the finals. Yeah, I mean, to your point, their goal in this postseason, and, and it has worked out for them in winning game one in Memphis, winning game one in Golden State. Their goal was to steal one. That, 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 that is their number one goal when they go on the road for these first two games. Yes, they go in trying to win game one. But generally speaking, hey, let's steal one. Let the series be 1-1 one, one after 2, and let's come back home. That's still in play, folks. That's still in play. Yes, they did not win game 1. We know LeBron is 20-0 and 0 when he wins game 1. We know how this postseason has gone, yes. At the end of the day, if the Lakers win game 2, which we both think that they will, it's exactly the same position they were in after the Memphis series after 2, after the Warriors series after 2. And for all the talk, about how good the Denver Nuggets are at home. They, and I heard this a couple of times on the broadcast, actually. They haven't lost since March 29th or March 30th. Or, the Lakers haven't lost at home since March 26th. They are just as good, if not better, than Denver when they return home. So that's the big key there. But yeah, listen, it really comes down to game two. As good as we feel about the adjustments they made in the fourth, and I hated that they had to wait that long for that to happen, um, they have to win game two. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going out on a limb by saying, I mean, they're really putting themselves in a tough spot when you drop two, because at that point, as much as we think that they could potentially still do it, winning four or five is very hard against the top seed. They got to steal one. They got to steal home court. Um, what is the thing to watch for? Again, the biggest thing that I really thought is like, even when they lost, for example, game two against Golden State, again, they win game one. They, in these first two games against the Grizzlies in the first two and against Golden State, the, the games have been close in the first half. What I really didn't like, Brandon, is that they were doubling up the Lakers throughout the first quarter. It was 14-7. It was 28-14. It was, I mean, like, they, they never were really, like, in the game until the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, and, you know, that very well, if that happens again, they'll be screwed. Then I would take, I would switch my pick. If the Lakers lose game two, I'd switch my pick to Denver yeah. in six or Denver in seven because... As look, it's going to be so hard for the Lakers to win three, you know, three games at home, and then you know, um, one game in Denver yeah. when it gets to that magnitude. Um, I think Denver's scared. 
and like I said, you gotta, you gotta, you know, step on their throat right, right away. You can't let them have any breathing room. You gotta come in and you gotta start, you know, uh, better. And if you see, and if Darvin Ham sees, uh, you know, them start to run the pace up, and the Lakers are down five or six, even, I think he needs to have Mike Malone micromanaging, where you call timeout. <laughs> We're not letting Denver get past five, yeah, you know, yeah. past six, if they start running it, because I think a lot of it was the altitude. The Lakers needed to get used to it. Once they did, they were able to switch and play their game. And I think this is a nightmare scenario for Denver, even though they can't feel good about that win, in my opinion. And I don't think Mike Malone does. Now, if they make the adjustments that I don't think they can make, by the way, it's not impossible because Davis, you know, he's due for a bad game, even though he's great, right? And then the Lakers are susceptible, you know, once once he has a bad game to losing. Now, if they do make adjustments and they're up 2-0, that is the Lakers' worst enemy because the Lakers have all the momentum right now, even though they lost that game. And they need to use that to win game two and they're right back in the series and Lakers fans can go into the weekend, you know, really confident. Because I think it's going to be the same result as the Memphis series, just switch the games on the road. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, 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 it's really about trying to steal one. So, it, you know, the focus is all on game two. I think if they had won game one, I mean... Here's the thing. Here's why that game was so critical. If they came back from 21 down to come back and beat the Denver, they would have really put themselves in a position to have the momentum to steal two. And then we're talking about, again, it's crazy to talk about like a sweep or something, but things like that happen where if something crazy happens in game one, again, you always hear about this. The Kirk Gibson home run in the 1988 World Series happened in game one. But it was such a deflating moment. It was such a snatching uh, a win from the jaws of defeat. You know, it was one of those crazy, miraculous moments that it totally deflated Oakland and the Dodgers won in five. And it could have been a sweep. Same situation here where, listen, if the Lakers come back from 21 points down, beat the beat Denver, uh, and, and find a way to come back, use that momentum to win game two, they, they, they could have closed it out at home. Now, listen, we all thought this was going to be a long series. Generally speaking, I haven't heard one person say this series will be over in four or five. Generally, it's six or seven, so this is going to play out this way. Uh, but again, the importance, uh, the magnitude of game two is so big for this team. And again, really, you know, you know, can the adjustments they make um, carry into game two real quick before we switch topics, Brandon, a report. Uh, and again, you, you just touched on this. D'Angelo Russell was essentially benched. Now he started the game, <laughs> didn't play ton in the second half. One of the reports indicated that, listen, it would, it, it, it would affect, affect his psyche if he were benched. I mean, he, he kind of, has to start. Explain that for people who who haven't played the game. I mean, effectively, what Ham's going to maybe have to do is start D'Angelo and then pull him. I mean, I, the way that he was playing, it, it didn't really help the team. And you're 100% right. He is such a great home player. He feeds off the fans. He feeds off those courtside seats and those celebrities there. Um He's going to start. They don't want to hurt his psyche and all that stuff. And by the way, uh, you know, clips came out of him practicing post game, so that that's good. What's going on with D'Angelo? And, and is it crazy that they have to start a guy that they don't trust? 
Um, it's not crazy because look, D'Angelo every once in a while will have like 10, 15 quick points and win you a basketball game. The issue is, is he does that at home. He never does it on the road. So I think what you could do is perhaps you start D'Angelo Russell, but what you would need to do is slow the pace down. You would need to take 20, 30 seconds off the clock, basically. Um, and then hide him in transition defense and on in the half court game because who's he really going to guard? Who are you going to put him on? Bruce yeah. Brown. He got cooked by Bruce Brown. Um, I guess you could. I mean, it's just such a bad thing, and I think they can survive it. But like I mentioned, it's going to be important for the Lakers to get out to a big lead early, and I think they do that. I think they have all the confidence in the world, um, and I think they can do that still with D'Angelo Russell on the court because I think Denver is susceptible to missing missing shots. They're not going to shoot like that yeah. again. They just aren't. They aren't. They aren't. You know, and if they do, it'll be to a lesser extent. It's never going to be to that extent, right? I mean, if if they do, I mean, they're going to win the championship. They can shoot like that every game. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one's going to beat them. Not Boston, not anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I, I mean, I'm confident that, you know, Russell can stay in the starting lineup and then sustaining it. Perhaps it's good for his mental health. Remember, he has a he's very confident guy who lives off of, you know, he, he loves being himself and you're you're right arash good point he cannot be himself maybe if you bench him lose some of his confidence and that's a killer to the lakers so maybe you do start him for a couple minutes and pull him if he's not making shots yeah uh okay so before the game brandon this was uh, something that you've been focused on for a while your mock draft is now up on the sporting tribune.com from the moment i met you brandon you told me about this young man from france victor wembanyama and I, and I couldn't even pronounce the name when you first said it. And he said, you said this would be a transcendent talent. This is the best prospect since LeBron James may prove out to be the best prospect, period. Um, I saw him in person in France. I've never seen a, a person that commands a room like that. I've never seen a person who looks like him with that kind of a skill set. And when you're looking at the teams that were in play to get him, the one that you were looking at that you were shaking your head thinking – it's not going to work out for them again, right? You know, they, they've, you know, three times in their, fr- or, you know, two previous times in their franchise history have been really bad, slash tanked, got David Robinson, then got Tim Duncan, and you're like, can it happen again? And my goodness, it did. The San Antonio Spurs and Greg Popovich get Victor Wembanyama. He is so obviously happy uh, to be there. Take the picture, set the scene, the significance of this moment, not only for Victor going to a team like that, because, again, it's very important, no matter how talented you are, it is important for uh, a, a young player to go to a program, a franchise, to, to, to be with the coach who can help him. But it seems like for all the grief that the Spurs fans have gone through these last few years, that they are back. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I would go as far to say the Spurs are almost guaranteed an NBA championship if they build the right pieces around him. And I fully expect Greg Popovich to do so. He literally continued to coach for this moment. And I can't think of a team, Arash, I know they've done in the past, but they deserved it. They wanted this so bad. They've been preparing this for two, for this for two years. Uh, and they, they got him. And I think he's the transcendent talent. And this is great for the NBA, by the way, because Popovich is going to get the most. And Tim Duncan, by the way, who's on the staff, 
Tony Parker will work with him. Already owned the Metropolitan 92s, was the owner of that team. They had that connection. This couldn't have been a better script if people want to say, now people might say it's rigged, (laughs) but I think that even if it is rigged, uh, you know, which I don't think, I think it was luck, uh, you know, whatever in God's hands or universe's hands. This was the right right pick, and I think Wembenyama is um, going to average twenty plus points right away in the NBA and become a superstar within two three years. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it's one of those amazing players that we're going to hear a ton about going into the draft, and we'll talk about this more when uh, we come back. It's not just Victor Wembenyama, by the way. I mean, this is a very stacked draft, and uh, uh, so we'll get into you know who's got the second pick, third pick, and all that stuff with our good friend Grant Mona. Uh, but again, I've never felt this way following a loss. Brandon feels the same way. Yes, the Lakers lost game one. Yes, they're down 1-0 in the series. However, I think they figured something out. I think they figured out the blueprint on how to beat this team. And if they win game two, they're right where they were in the Grizzlies series coming back home. They're right where they were in the Warriors series coming back home. All they wanted to do was to win one game and come back 1-1, and they still have a chance to do that. We'll talk about that and more when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. nothing more valuable it's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Or let's go out to the Circa Sports Guest Hotline. By the way, yesterday, Circa Sports Stadium Swim having a big a party, watch party for the Western Conference Finals. They'll be doing that for the the Lakers and also the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, head out there to Circa Sports and Stadium Swim. I know Grant has been out there. So let's go out to the Circa Sports Guest Hotline. Join our good friend Grant Mona. Grant, how are you? It's funny you mention that because uh, in October I will be staying at Circa. We'll ah. be checking out Stadium Swim. I will be uh, there for football season, so it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, my first time staying at Circa as a guest, so I'm pretty ah. excited. But um, yeah, a lot of adjustments to get to in this Lakers <laughs> Nuggets series. What a game we had! Incredible, in game one. incredible. By the way, we have to uh, get you hooked up uh, there, Grant. Again, the key there if you stay at Circa. Try to get a view of Stadium Swim. There's nothing like opening up uh, the uh, window or the curtains and seeing that those beautiful TVs when you wake up. Um, okay, Grant, you touched on it. 
We talked about it in the first segment. The Lakers lose game one. However, I don't think I, Brandon, the majority of Laker fans have ever felt more positive following a playoff loss. Again, playoff loss. You can't uh, you can't fool around in the playoffs when you lose a playoff game. That's generally not a good thing. That being said, they were getting blown out. They were down 21 points in the second half of this game. It didn't look like they had a chance. And then there was a turning point. They figured something out. A variety of things, perhaps Rui Hachimura on Jokic, perhaps being the, the biggest adjustment. Grant, when you look at that game and you look back at the highlights and you've thought about it, what stands out and are you positive or are you as optimistic as Brandon that the Lakers can come back and not only win game two, but win the series? Yeah, you know, the the, the game went, I, I don't think, as as perfect as, you know, people. Th- I mean, you know, I always thought that Jokic on AD and vice versa would be, you know, that would be a superstar matchup where both would get what they needed. Um, I always thought that they couldn't stop each other. You know, I watched a lot of film of Jokic on AD and AD on Jokic um, during the season, and it seemed like neither could stop either one. So um, it was just a matter of, you know, who can defend the best. And uh, we saw that adjustment in the second half from the Lakers. I mean, in the first half, it was all transition for the Nuggets. I mean, we know that the, the Lakers struggle in transition with their defense. Darvin Ham has mentioned that multiple times, not just in the playoffs, but through the regular season. And the Nuggets made it a point to get out in transition and run them to the rim. Um, but the Lakers made an excellent adjustment by putting Rui on Jokic. And Rui Hachimura, I think, is the key in this series. Um, I said this before this series, before game one, that Rui has to, has to be good. And I think he would be good. He was excellent last night, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end. One thing that I will say there, you know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, well, now they found something. That's the key adjustment is that Rui Hachimura had four fouls on Jokic. Like Jokic drew four fouls on Rui Hachimura. So if you put Rui into that starting lineup, yes, he's a great defender. And yes, it gives Davis the ability to roam and maybe play off of, of Aaron Gordon, who struggled last night, by the way. Um, but you got to understand that Jokic does draw fouls a lot. And having Rui on him, um, he got four fouls last night. Uh, you know, one thing that I will say that maybe Denver does do is p- probably put Jokic or excuse me, AD in the pick and roll and maybe get a switch onto Jokic. I think that's probably the, the one thing that they'll look at is probably putting AD in the pick and roll, getting him to switch back onto Jokic, um, using Aaron Gordon in that screener role. Um, that's probably the only thing I can see. I mean, if they don't do that, I, I really love that adjustment by Darvin Ham. This is one knock on Doc Rivers. I know I hate to bring this up, but one knock that you know on Doc Rivers is that he didn't adjust. Darvin Ham, a first-year head coach, adjusted on the fly in the fourth quarter of a conference finals game in his first conference finals game. A lot of credit to him. Uh, the Lakers outscored the outscored Denver, I think, from the second quarter on. Um, so. Look, it's it's this series is not going to be easy for either team, but the adjustments that I've already seen on either end has has me really excited to see what they're doing in game two. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to ask Grant this question, right? Because you brought you brought it up, right, that Rui could get into foul trouble. That's an issue. Arash brought this up in the first segment about D'Angelo Russell. There's been reports saying that his psyche or his, you know, his confidence could be shattered if he doesn't start next game um and you just brought up a good point with about Rui do you keep Rui coming off of the bench see if Russell can provide some shot making and just hope Jamal Murray and 
Bruce Brown and KCP miss shots to start the game before you bring in Rui to put on Jokic. Otherwise, what's the alternative? Do you start Vanderbilt and sit Schroeder? Uh, do you start Rui and sit Schroeder? I mean, you have to sit Schroeder at least, right? Can't have a three-guard lineup, but what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I just think, you know, that that decision to go to Schroeder was, was not a good one, in my opinion. You and I both shared this sentiment that I just think that, you know, you got to go matchup base. Like, I know it worked against the Warriors, but the Nuggets are not the Warriors. The Nuggets have a lot more length. They're a lot bigger. Um, you know, I was listening to Bill Simmons earlier, and he said that it's basically just trees against trees in the series. There's a bunch of big, big uh, wings and, and, and centers that, that they, you know, you need size. And, I, and we saw that early on in the game is that Reeves on Michael Porter Jr. didn't really work out. Like, it, it you know, he... You know, Michael Porter Jr. was just shooting over Austin Reeves. In terms of Rui, I do think that they should insert him in the starting lineup. I know that does not bode well for the second unit because then you got you need his scoring on the second unit. But I understand because now you can go you know to a lineup of Reeves. Um, you can go to a lineup of Reeves, Rui. May, I don't know if you can put Vando and Rui together. That's kind of bad spacing. Um, so I, I think, you know, they'll probably leave him in the second unit. That's fine. But he'll, he still will play crunch time minutes. He'll still play starter minutes, which I think is, the, is best for him because, look, they need his offense. They need his length. They need his defense. Um, he's going to play critical minutes. I just don't know if it'll be starter minutes. Um, I think they, you know, with D'Angelo Russell, he's a defensive liability. We saw him get beat off the screens. We saw him get beat back door a lot of times. Um, he's not a very good on-ball defender. His scoring is streaky. So in game two, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes for 20 plus, like he's that kind of guy, that kind of scorer. Um, so his offense is what you need, but his defense right now, I mean, it's only one game. We can't really make assumptions now, but um, after one game, what I saw defensively, maybe you have to look for a change there because you need length against this Nuggets team. It's not the Warriors where you can go small ball. Yeah, I mean, the key really is that first quarter, first half, because when the Lakers have had success on the road, it's a close game. Again, when they beat Memphis in game one, it was back and forth. They had a big lead. They took their best punch. They came back. What you can't have happen is, I mean, they were so dominated in that first quarter, you know. Uh, so uh, they, they, they. It has to be competitive. They can't fall back by twenty-one again. When you come back from twenty-one points down, yes, that's impressive. But it takes so much out of you. It takes so much to get there. That it's tough to close it out. So yes, they, they were within three. They were within a LeBron James. And by the way, I totally agree with Brandon. Uh, there's a handful of guys I'd rather have take that three this season, this postseason than LeBron. But they're right there, right? They're right at the cusp of it. But it just takes so much out of you that if the Lakers are, 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 are keeping it competitive in the first half, I think they have a great chance. And again, as we touched on in the first segment, Grant, they just wanted to win one. I, I I know in Memphis they won game one. I know against Golden State they did they won game one. It doesn't have to be the same in every series. They don't have to win game one, lose game two, win two. They just want to split. And obviously they want to take care of home court because I think generally speaking, and by the way, for as much talk about how good Denver is at home, Memphis was number one at home this season. Denver was number two. Golden State was number three. So they've already been the number uh, one and three. And so, it, you know, they've, they're used to going into a hostile environment and finding a way to win. Um, let's shift gears real quickly because we didn't touch on this. Celtics and the Heat. 
By the way, I get that the Heat are the number eight seed. I get that. That being said, you know, this is the third time they faced off against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. And right now, projection-wise, you look at Vegas and all that good stuff, they're giving uh, the Celtics a 97% chance to, to, to win this series. And you look at the odds. These are basically mid-season, pre-season odds or before postseason. I mean, if, if you believe in the Heat, and by the way, they're in the conference finals, you can get amazing odds on the Heat right now. What's up with that, Grant? I, I'm not really sure. It could be that that the, it is the eight seed, maybe. But but we we got to do like what what's current. Like the Lakers are the seven seed. But if you go like from trade deadline on to now, yeah. they're basically like a two seed. Like, yeah. They're basically like a one to two seed. So the the seeding that we should just throw that out. I don't understand. Maybe because Jimmy Butler's a little bit banged up. Maybe, but I don't understand that because he he looked pretty good in that Knicks series, you know, even yeah. after the ankle injury, they have plenty around Jimmy Butler to get it done. The Celtics, they have their own flaws too. They almost lost to the Sixers in six games. Yeah. They were lucky to get to that seventh game and then they took care of business, obviously, but it's not like the Celtics are this perfect team either. They, Yes, they are very talented. Brandon knows this, you know, they are very talented. They have a lot of depth, but both teams have their flaws. I don't understand. This is it's not even. I'd still give the edge to the Celtics just because of their talent alone. But I don't think it's as lopsided as people think. I mean, people had the Bucks. I had the Bucks. Um, people thought that the Knicks could maybe beat the Heat too. The Heat took care of both of those teams in kind of convincing fashion. So with Jimmy Butler playing the way he is, he's got rest now. He's got a lot more rest on that ankle. Um, the Heat, their pedigree, their coaching, I, it's going to go a long way in this series. I don't think that this is easy for the Celtics. And anyway, it's going to be harder for them than it was for uh, in the Sixers series, in my opinion. So I'm very, I'm looking forward to it a lot because I, you know, I think that you know Jimmy Butler's already said like we're going to get it done this year. And then last year after they lost, he said we're going to be back here next year and we're going to get it done. So he's very motivated if he didn't even need any more motivation but he he's very motivated so i'm i'm excited to see the heat you know kind of in this revenge series I, I couldn't agree more with grant in fact i think it's smart money to bet on the series price for the heat and in fact to take the uh not the money line but the spread tonight i think eight's a little too much for the celtics tonight jimmy butler is going to keep him in the game max Struess is a celtic killer they're scared of that guy and we know what happens to Tatum after good games. He's like Anthony Davis. He's going to be abysmal tonight, probably. Uh, I mean, not. I mean, he's going to shoot like five out of twenty-five. Yeah. You know, like, and what that's going to allow the Heat to do because the Heat are an elite defensive team. Remember, the reason why I don't think Denver is going to win the championship, why I think it's going to be either the Lakers, Celtics, or Heat, um, and probably the Lakers or Celtics, is the Lakers and Celtics both had a top eleven defensive rating. So did the Heat. The Nuggets did not. Historically, you cannot win a championship without a top 11 defensive rating. Now, the Lakers struggled all year until finally, at the end of the year, they got into that 11th spot, and they've yeah. been the best defense remaining. The Heat have also been elite this postseason, and that's what could lead them to the finals. I think the smart money's on the Heat to face the Lakers in the NBA finals, because I think you can get that at like plus 1,200 right now, though I think the Celtics obviously are going to be a tough test. Uh, Grant, we uh, touched on this in the first segment. Big news, obviously, before uh, the game last night. The NBA draft lottery, the most anticipated NBA draft lottery in 20 years for what some are talking about as the most uh, talked about prospect in 20 years. Victor Wembanyama, and of course, Grant is going to the San Antonio Spurs. 
How does that change things? Again, I, I think I think when you when we were wondering why doesn't Greg Popovich just retire, I think he was waiting for this moment. Greg Popovich is now going to coach for another twenty years, and uh, it's a perfect spot for him. Your thoughts on Victor Wembanyama going to the San Antonio Spurs? Yeah, you know, yesterday I, I, I mentioned that I, I would like to see him in either Detroit, Houston, or San Antonio. Uh, Detroit kind of got screwed out of out of it. I mean, they had. You know the top lottery odds tied with some other teams, and they got number five, which is just a dagger to them. Um, but in terms of Victor Webinyama to the Spurs, I think it's awesome. I think this is perfect for him. Um, you know, he has the ability to learn from Tim Duncan if if Tim Duncan wants to come and and be a, a kind of a mentor to him, which is awesome. Um, they already had David Robinson back in the day. They have a pretty good knowledge of how to deal with centers, especially generational centers. Um, and they, you know, not just that, but let's look at the current team. They have a lot of three and D wings, young guys. Jeremy Sohan was all rookie team this year. Um, they have plenty of cap space if they do choose to go that route. I don't know how attractive San Antonio is as a destination right now, but they also have, I believe it's double digit picks from 2024 to 2028 or wow. something like that, which they can trade for top talent. Um, but in terms of, you know, Popovich, gets another guy to just experiment with to 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 tutor i mean i think this is awesome for him it's it's not a, a high profile market you know games will still be on at like six it's not a 7 p.m game so you know it's it's better for for marketing i think this is great all around i think that'll put the spurs back on the map in another few years and um you know greg popovich i don't know what he was going to do but now he has to stay around for at least another 10. right yeah i mean uh Brandon, I mean, is this a, a project that's going to take a couple of years or will Victor Wembanyama be sort of in that conversation for first team All-NBA year one? Will it be year two, year three? Again, we, we've heard from some scouts say it'll take a couple of years, but by year three, he will be one of the best players in the league. I don't think it's going to take three years. Um, in fact, just because of the LeBron factor, since LeBron didn't make the all-star team as a rookie, doesn't matter if Wembenyama scores 25 a game, they're not going to put him on the team. They didn't put Luka on the team. They didn't put LeBron on the team. They're not putting Victor on the team, right? What's going to happen, though, is he's going to probably him or Scoot, and I think Scoot's a future superstar, too, going to win rookie of the year. Um, I think those are, I don't care what the odds are. It's going to be one of those guys. Those are, those two guys are so much far better than any other prospect in this draft. As much as I like Brandon Miller and think he could be a top 20, 30 player, I think Scoot and Victor Wembanyama may both get MVPs. That's how high I am on both. Um, I think Victor's going to average, like I said, 20 plus points per game, 10 plus rebounds, three plus blocks. I think he's an all-star in year two, 26, 27 points per game. And he fits the modern NBA perfectly. Now, Grant, noted you know noted this injury concerns he played all year for metropolitan's 92 which is a good thing but remember his body's still a bit frail like chet yeah. holmgren uh he needs to put on more weight um still everything's going to translate for this kid and the spurs are going to give him the keys i mean he's going to get shots he's going to be the number one focal point on offense right away yeah. um so i mean i think he's gonna be a superstar by year two is when i think he's an mvp candidate at 20 years old in year two brandon you touched on scoot henderson you have your mock draft up at the sportingtribune.com give us the top five and again you mentioned them scoot henderson in any other year would be the most talked about player number one pick in the draft he's number two give us your uh, top five right now 
Yeah. Uh, so my top five, obviously, Victor Wembanyama, number one. That's a that's a done deal. I think Charlotte's going to go with Scoot Henderson. Now it's going to be enticing to take fit, which would be Brandon Miller alongside point guard Lamelo Ball. But Scoot Henderson's a better prospect, and I think even though both Henderson and Ball are ball dominant, uh, dad joke. There you go. Nice pun. Ball and ball dominant. Uh, but uh, I think it can work. I think that Lamelo's turned into a really good three point shooter. He can play off ball when you need him to, and I think Scoot's a good enough playmaker distributor that he can play off ball. Um, I, I think this is the, an amazing scenario for Charlotte, who will be a playoff team perhaps as soon as this year, likely the the year after. Because I think Scoot is the truth, and you pair him with Lamelo. You know, doesn't do a lot of high IQ things defensively, but is still an offensive master. Uh, I think that's a great pick. I have Brandon Miller third going to the Trailblazers. Uh, one of the best wing shooting prospects over the last decade. I mean, the amount uh, that he was shooting to shoot 39% ridiculous on threes, even though he had a tough NCAA tournament, and he brings versatility on defense. Eamon Thompson's going to go to the Rockets at four. They need another athletic big guard to pair alongside Jalen Green. And at five, Taylor Hendricks, freshman out of UCF. The next Macau Bridges, Trey Murphy. I think people are sleeping on this guy. Brings versatility on both ends of the floor. Pistons need a good wing, so I think they roll with Taylor Hendricks. Grant, by the way, you may have to come out to Vegas a little bit sooner if we all make that road trip uh, again, once again, to Summer League. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see all these uh, prospects. Real quick, Grant, before we um, head out for today, Vegas Golden Knights, again, the game one is on uh, Friday, but we are on the air in Vegas. Can this be the year? Again, Grant, fourth conference finals in six years. They're, they are the favorites right now to win the whole thing. Can they do it? Is this their year? I say I think they can, and it, it's it's really interesting because when they played Edmonton, you know, Edmonton beat up on the Kings. They looked pretty formidable, and the Golden Knights kind of just took over that game six. I mean, they kind of just. You know, Marchesol had a hat trick in one quarter. Um, look, the Golden Knights have everything they need. They have the momentum. Um, I think, honestly, that the Stars, I know this is going to be probably not a good opinion, but I think that the Stars are worse than the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers had, you know, Dreisaitl. They had, uh, you know, Connor McDavid. I mean, they had all these guys that can just go. The Stars are not easy to play but i do think that the golden knights can handle this i think that they can get back to the stanley cup final and look, look trust me i'll be rooting for them i think march salt can lead them there man i love it yeah that'd be just a good time again for the sporting tribune and for the show again we're on the air in southern california vegas hawaii thank you so much grant as well for joining us we'll have you back on soon that's all the time we have for today let's do it again tomorrow until then this is arash markazi saying stay safe stay healthy this is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.